Clitorati. We've got a medical professional in the studio today. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a licensed clinical professional counselor and author of The Secure Relationship. Quick tips, a guide to getting unstuck from a negative cycle and finding attachment security with your partner. Her mission is to make the insights and practical skills she uses to treat couples in her private practice more accessible to a wider population. Please welcome Julie Manano. <laughs> we really great to be here. Yes, we are so excited to have you here. We were we're actually just chatting a little bit before. I'm going to get a little vulnerable with our listeners today. One of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is because the type of therapy you do is actually the style of couples therapy I'm doing with my partner right now. And it's making such a profound difference that mm-hmm. I really wanted to bring this information to our listeners because I think that it's it's such a useful um you know, therapy style. Mm -hmm. And um, there's so much to unpack here. So um, a lot of our listeners do struggle with, we get a lot of letters in about Mm -hmm. emotional intimacy and communication with their partners. Can you tell us a little bit about how you approach this and a -hmm. little bit about what exactly attachment theory is, which is the type of therapy that you do, right? Yeah, well, sure. First of all, I just want to say, I'm really happy to hear that you are in this type of therapy and that you're, you know, um, cheerleading it for a lack of better word uh, <laughs> yeah. to your huge audience right now because it is it's very effective, very profound work um, yeah. that I think can really, you know, change your relationship, change many people's relationships, and ultimately change, you know, change the world. So that's what we're going yeah. for is improving our world by improving our relationships with one another. So. Um, what I do is I work with um, my end goal with a couple is creating emotion, greater levels of emotional and physical intimacy and um, problem solving skills, just you know, navigating life together uh, with the you know lowest amount of conflict and the ability to tolerate that conflict in a way that they can uh, work, you know make make difficult decisions together without it eroding without them speaking about it and going through that process in a way that erodes the relationship. So what I do from there is I work backwards, right? So I'm looking for, you know, we as humans, we are, we're meant, our, our truest, most inner selves are meant to connect emotionally and physically. So something is blocking that when it's not happening. So I need to know what's blocking that. And, you know, when it's not a situation where a, a two partners are, are truly incompatible, let's say, because they have major value differences mm-hmm. or they, they came together for reasons that weren't just, you know, wanting to be with each other, financial reasons or whatever. If, if that's yeah. off the table, then I'm going to look at what, what, what's there, what's blocking this, um, this closeness. Now, traditionally, the way I work is I start with physical, I mean, I'm sorry, I start with um, the emotional connection, right? Mm-hmm. And I know there are some therapists out there that are starting with the physical connection right now, which oh, I think okay. is interesting, you know, being mm. on the show. But yeah, the way that I work is I'm I'm an emotion-focused therapist. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to look at the very first block, which is the negative cycle. 
Have you have has your therapist talked to you about the negative cycle? Yes, yes. Well, and I, and I read a book. There's a book. I think it's called "Hold Me Tight." Yes, right. Yes, yes. And they, yes, they call they it the demon, demon, the demon dialogues. dialogues. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that book really explains it fairly well. In fact, Sue Johnson, who wrote that book, is the creator of the type of therapy that you're doing. Mm. Um, so I'm looking at, you know, within the, the negative cycle, we're always going to have a partner who's playing the anxious attachment role and the partner who's playing the avoidant attachment role. That means one, anxious. Yeah. <laughs> and 75% of women are playing the anxious role. Um, I think a lot of that is socialization. Mm. Uh, so the anxious partner is the partner in the relationship that's, uh, trying to close the, the emotional distance right? Trying to reach, trying to connect more. And the avoidant partner is the one trying to keep things from getting worse. So if you notice, they're both in a state of protecting the relationship. Sometimes it's, it's common thought that, oh, the anxious partner is the only one trying to, you know, uh, create health in the relationship. But the avoidant partner is also trying to create health just in a very different way. Mm-hmm. In their mind, when the, when the anxious partner brings up a concern or a reach for connection, it's like alarm bell, I don't, want to, I don't want anything to get messed up here. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want us to get into a fight. And so then what happens is, is that one partner is taking too much ownership for the, connect, the emotional connection and one partner is taking less ownership for the emotional connection and more ownership for protection from conflict. And then that creates big, you know, it ends up being that they, the anxious partner will often fall into a place of blame and attack. The avoidant mm-hmm. partner then starts to retreat and shut down. And that understandably leaves the anxious partner feeling abandoned and more upset. And then as they escalate, usually the avoidant partner will initially escalate with them a lot of times. And then the avoidant partner will say, well, none of these strategies are working and then shut it all down. But I want to put it out there that it, this doesn't need to start with the anxious partner. Um, it's all, it's, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I like to say neither. Mm. The chicken and the egg are the same. So the avoidant partner, you know, there's flares of a negative cycle in a relationship, but um, really each partner is living it out for under kind of under the undercurrent of the relationship when things are really in a state of distress. So yeah. what I do first is I go in and I hope I've explained it fairly well. But I go in and I stabilize that negative cycle. I have to, before I do anything else, because the negative cycle is actually what's eroding, continuing to erode the relationship. So I have to stabilize that. Go ahead. And is there, is there typically like one major one or can there be like multiple negative cycles inside of a relationship? Or is there typically like a core negative cycle that everything sort of stems from? That's a really good question. There's a core, the core negative cycle and the content can change. But typically, we're going to see the same pattern um, mm-hmm. where one partner brings up the concern, the other partner gets defensive, the other partner feels unheard and invalidated. And what this negative cycle is, is it's really under, it's, it, what's fueling it is unmet attachment needs. So we have these human attachment needs, and they're to feel close to another person, right? We, yeah. have, we have a need, and, and it's extremely important to value ourselves, to be able to validate ourselves and to have a healthy relationship with self. That, that really has to come first. 
before yeah. we can. But in order to feel safe and close to another person, we have to have these attachment needs met. We have to know they value us. We have to know that um, our partner appreciates us and that, you know, we can get it right for them. The bar is not going to just keep going higher and higher. Yeah. That um, we, they're going to validate us, that they want to connect with us. And there's, there's not a ton of, of attachment needs. I mean, it's, it's a pretty basic set of human, human needs to feel close to another person. Yeah. Um, and those needs, the, the higher, the, um, in the parent-child relationship and the uh, romantic relationship, the needs are going to be a lot higher because there are more emotional stakes involved. Like mm. the, the degree to which you would grieve if you lost someone is the degree to which you depend on them for emotional mm. needs. Got it. And, right. so the, and so the whole, you know, goal with this style and <clears throat> this philosophy is what what's called like a secure attachment, right? Mm-hmm. Or a secure relationship. So for anyone who's listening, can you sort of, if they're wondering, do I have a secure relationship mm-hmm. or not? Can you kind of describe, you know, what is a secure relationship and how to start identifying um, maybe what you're attached? Because there's secure attachment style, mm-hmm. and there's anxious attachment and avoidant. Are there any other attachment styles? Disorganized. Which disorganized. Is, okay. Yeah, which is kind of its own its own beast. Um, it's okay. It's a you know. It, we'll put that one to the side for now. I have a lot of information about <laughs> okay. that on my okay. Instagram account, and I have a Patreon uh, club that I actually just did an entire session on disorganized. Oh, so anybody, fantastic! Okay, yeah, yeah, wants to know yeah. more. But the majority of those with insecure attachments are going to fall into either the anxious or the avoidant category. Okay. And what a secure relationship looks like in a nutshell is am I walking around this relationship 75 to 90% of the time feeling valued, appreciated, cared for, responded to, held, um, you know, uh, like I can get it, like I'm a successful partner, mm. right? It, mm. And in that other, you know, 10 to 25% of the time, when we do have these ruptures, because every couple has ruptures where those attachment needs can temporarily go offline, are yeah. we able to get back on track with each other? And how quickly are we able to get back on track with each other? So that's a right. secure relationship. And, and there's a lot you know, that goes into that. But ultimately, if, if someone is saying, hey, do I have a secure relationship? That's a question they can ask themselves is, how much of the time am I walking around feeling good? Feeling all yeah. of these attachment in, needs are being met. Yeah. In terms of like a minimum viable percentage, I uh, mm-hmm. just want to make sure we, did you say 75% of the time or 80% of the time? <laughs> I, well, I mean, it's, it's, there's no hard, fast number, but sure. as a couples therapist, I would say 75 to 90, no couple is going to be in a state of harmony at hundred percent of the time. Oh, Julie, I don't know what you're talking about. hundred percent. Me and my husband, we are a hundred percent of the time. except for sure. you, sugar. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so yeah. refreshing, right? To just be like, you don't need to get a hundred percent in life. No, like no, no, In no. anything. That does not no. an indication of, for our relationship hypochondriacs out there, you yes. know, it's okay. Yeah. I really <laughs> appreciate you. that you, you put that out there because people do get really, and, and this is the same is true with parenting too, mm-hmm. is that we're not looking for a hundred percent of the time. And I'll tell you another thing, if a couple, com- we're also looking at growth, you know, if a couple comes to me and they're only experiencing this 10% of the time, which is very common, 
I'm looking for growth. I want to know, you know, three months from now, have they moved up to 20%? Yeah. And if so, they're doing great because we can just keep building on that growth. If a couple is capable of growing, they're capable, capable of continuing to grow. Yeah. Yeah, oh. it's true. It's true. Yeah. And and that's part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation. You know, one of our commitments on the show is to disrupt, you know, taboo conversations. And, you know, we've talked about sex parties and blah, blah, blah. But I think to some people, therapy can be taboo or they think, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, or I don't need it. Like, you know, maybe you're at 50% in your relationship and you just want to bump up to 90%, you know? Absolutely. And why not I feel th- better, right? Why not, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think that a relationship is something that you're always tending to, right? It's this living, mm-hmm. it's almost like this third living being in the house mm-hmm. with you that if you, especially once you start having kids, if you if you stop tending to it, like the garden of your relationship, mm-hmm. that it's, that percentage can go down, you know? And I think therapy mm-hmm. has been such a great way for my partner and I to really understand each other because we think very differently. Sure. And so that percentage was, you know, when it was good, it was really good, but it was maybe 50-50 if I'm being honest or less than right. that. And just being able to understand each other and sometimes having that third person there in the room, the therapist, to be mm-hmm. able to... I've been able to say things in mm-hmm. session that I could have never said on my own. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, right? That's because, what I love about EFT. Yeah. yeah what we can yeah. uncover. We've been doing Clit Talk for a while now, over 200 episodes to date, and we have had an influx of new clitorati, and we still have our consistent OG clitorati tuning in every week. So we've created a free gift for you. It's called Clit Talk Cliff Notes, the no BS guide to self-pleasure and sexual intimacy. And we're really giving you our best highlight reel of sex tips. We have combined our top sex hacks to give you confidence, communication, orgasms, and the ability to take your pleasure game from zero to 100 real quick and blow any partner's mind in bed. Included in this bang and free gift is two free audio trainings, self-pleasure is self-love, and our hottest sex tips. We also have unreleased episodes and a fan favorite from our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass, an erotic visualization, and a video on orgasmic breathing. Oh, yeah. Mm. So to get a little taste of what we do here, you definitely want to sign up for Clit Talk Cliff Notes. Just go to clittalkshow.com backslash guide because clitorati it is possible to have quantum leaps in your sex and empowerment with simple and impactful shifts pussy pussy it's gonna be a good one today yes i'm talking about a clit talk clit talk clit talk talking about a clit talk clit talk clit talk come on girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow bring your pussies to the show And yeah. I can say, I mean, I would definitely be divorced at this point if I didn't mm-hmm. do therapy. I've never done attachment-style <laughs> wow. therapy. Sure. But I can confidently say my husband and I would not be together today. And now yeah. we've been together for eight well, years. We literally are celebrating our five-year wedding anniversary on in four days. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Congratulations. I love yeah, but hearing we that. I love you. hearing that. That's amazing. Thank you. Both of you are, are success stories. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> We're so... Our, 
We have a word that we say. We 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 love puns, and uh-huh. um, so we don't say commitment. We say clitmitment, and really our our clitmitments are huge. Yeah. Oh, I can They're only imagine. Huge. I mean, <laughs> I can only imagine the levels that both of your relationships can go to. Um, let yeah. me ask you this: What did you say when you when you came on? You said clitor clitoris or. You said oh, clitorati. clitorati. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. We, we yeah. call our clitorati, our fans, our listeners, the clitorati. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. They're um, global. They're bigger than us. Yeah. Oh, they're all yeah. over the world. I mean, that's amazing. Well, good job. Hello, so, everybody all over the world. <laughs> so, so, you um. know, Madison and I are sharing, we have had, you know, success in therapy. Um, and funny enough, actually, it was a, it was a friend of mine who was not in a relationship who was doing this type of therapy on okay. his own that recommended it. Um, so I, I obviously, if you're single, you can still do this too to work on Absolutely. The, yeah. the relationship to yourself. That's what he did. And, you know, but, you know, so often a lot of times, you know, we work with women who are, you know, wanting to bring in their partner or even men who, you know, we have men, Mm -hmm. how do I, you know, we had a question recently, a man, how do I get my partner to realize that, you know, her sex center is beautiful and magical Mm -hmm. and they're wanting more intimacy. Like there's usually one partner who's craving that intimacy and probably the anxious one, you know, Mm -hmm. and then the avoidant one, you know, what do you, do you have any advice for people who are like, listening to this conversation right now and saying, wow, this would be amazing. I would love to do this with my partner, but their partner is resistant. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice of, you know, should they get started on their own? You know, can they, do you have any advice of like, you know, a way to bring a partner in who's maybe like a little resistant to therapy or to, you know, deepening Mm -hmm. the intimacy with their partner? Sure, I do. I have a lot of advice. You know, it's it's a little bit tricky because there's so many different reasons why someone wouldn't want to come into therapy. So I'm going to be very general right. here. Yeah. But um, the first thing I want to say is that a lot of times we have um, in in a relationship. Usually, what we think of is there's three kind of broader context of negative cycles. We have the negative cycle around the emotional connection mm-hmm. that the cycle is going to show up in. You know, are we feeling close and safe with each other? And we have a negative cycle around what's called caretaking, which means living a life together, taking care Mm -hmm. of a home together, parenting together. And then we have a sex cycle. And a lot of times the anxious partner in the sex cycle is the avoidant partner in the emotional cycle. That happens quite a bit, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I just want to put put that out there. And then usually what happens is it's the avoidant partner who doesn't want to show up to therapy. So we have to ask why. Right. Well, the, mm-hmm. the answer is, is that the core fear of an avoidant partner is the fear of being a failure or of being viewed as a failure. So mm-hmm. for them, uh, accessing any, any sort of help, it's, it's immediately threatening because, first of all, there's a belief that if I need help, then that makes me weak. I'm supposed to be able to do all of this on my own, which is all functions of the avoidant attachment, usually stemming from childhood messages. Uh, and then the second one is, if I go to a couples therapist, I'm just going to have to be told about and face all the things that I'm doing wrong. And mm. their psychological structure is built up around protecting them from seeing themselves as a failure or from their partner seeing themselves as a failure. So I think that one thing that can be extremely helpful is for 
the anxious partner to kind of start the one who's, let's just say the one who is fighting for therapy, right? Yeah. To really get that message across that this is a co-creation. Neither of us are more or less responsible for this. Mm. And I'm owning my part. I'm willing to fully own my part. A lot of times anxious partners get really stuck in blame. And the avoidant partner is saying, well, the last thing I want to do, do is go get more of that. And that happens in couples therapy. I mean, I think it's as couples mm-hmm. therapists get you know, better at what we're doing, we're realizing, hey, it's really easy for a couples therapist to start colluding with the anxious partner. Because the anxious one is sitting here telling us everything the other one's doing wrong. While the avoidant it. partner is just kind of sitting there, you know, not saying as much. So, so I think what we need to do first is we need to create safety for the partner who doesn't want to go. However, we have to do that. When an anxious partner calls me and says, my husband or my wife doesn't want to come, what I say is, please just get them through the door for one session. Just one session. I promise you there's a very good chance that if you can get them in for one session, I can help them feel safe. I can help them know this is not an environment where you're going to be the bad guy. In fact, right. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to understand you. I'm going to validate you. And this person may have never shown up enough ever in their life to have even experienced validation. So mm. when they come in and I help them feel that safety and help, they're, they're extremely actually eager to come back. So, mm. so just to kind of go full circle, somehow we need to create safety around the process. Uh, we need to create reasons for buy-in. Uh, as soon as an anxious partner starts, and, and again, I don't want to make it as if everything is on the anxious partner. That's a real, you know, tricky place in my work. Yeah. But yeah. anxious partners do need to step back and create space for the avoidant partner to face their own desire for relationship growth. And when the anxious partner is pushing, pushing, pushing for it nonstop, it's not allowing the avoidant partner to step up and say, hey, wait a minute, maybe I want this too. And it's interesting because if I have an avoidant partner, if I, let me just say this again, this is just kind of how it is right now. Hopefully sex stereotypes will change. But if a male calls me for therapy, I can almost guarantee that the situation is um, what I call an anxious partner burnout, meaning the anxious partner has burnt out and stopped trying. And that's actually created space for the avoidant partner to now want from themselves, from oh, inside themselves. It. They're not just being dragged. So, yeah. and, and this all ties into to sex too, is a lot of, and, and I'm sure that both of you will agree with me that we need to, a lot of times couples need to make, or partners need to make space for each other to feel their own desire. Yeah. When let's, there's too let's much di- pressure. Let's, let's die. I love that you just said that, like, Let's dive into that. So that was, okay. there were three buckets that you talked about. Obviously, clit talk. We want to talk about the sex the bucket sex a little bit here. Yeah. My favorite so, topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the sex part. And and so say what you just said again. That was so brilliant. You got to leave space for both partners to experience desire. Yes. And that's what really hit me about this question that you um, received from this man who says, I want my, I can't remember the wording, but I want, how do I convince my wife that her body is beautiful? And yeah. She she needs to convince herself. It's not, mm. it, it, it's, she, yep. he needs to step back and let whatever happen, you know, there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but she needs to be taking ownership of her own uh, adoration mm-hmm. of her amazing body. Mm. Yeah, because like how, I mean, 
how like not hot is it, right? If my partner yeah. comes to me and is like, yeah. oh, I'm, my body's so shitty. Like, babe, don't right. you think this part of my body sucks? Like, should I just be, wouldn't I, what if I look like Brad? I don't know why, why I just randomly came up with the name Brad, but like, <laughs> okay, Brad. sorry to any Brads <laughs> out there. Sorry, Brad, you're, we love you. I don't know. Yeah, but like, right, I, I would just be like, what is this? Like, what is this conversation right now? Um, Absolutely. Right. And, and um, I know that my partner's not comfortable with his body at the moment, mm-hmm. which has been something he's, he's shared. We're non-monogamous. So something that we navigate is um, uh, boundaries around uh, group play and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and dating other people. And one of like his points of insecurities in the group play space has been just not feeling his best physically because he recovered mm-hmm from a surgery, a knee surgery two years ago. And I just hasn't been able to run ever since. And he's a runner. So okay, he's just, yeah, that would, yeah. he's just, it's really weighed on him That's a lot. On him. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just like, the dad bod is so hot to me. Every time we're like in bed together, <laughs> so I'm just adorable. like, you're so fucking hot. And I, I don't know if I maybe, if it's a too much, but that's also uh-huh. an internal conversation I have. Like, I don't want to be too much, but then I always end up being too much. So it's fine. But I do say to him, like, every time we are together, it's real for me, though. I'm just like, you're so sexy. Like, oh, I'm like drool over him sometimes. I'm just like, you're so hot. I love your. And then it's funny because he'll be like, well, thanks. I'm really going to work on my, like, you uh-huh. know, this hip area, though. And I'm just like, I love the hips, you know. I just yeah, yeah, do yeah. what I can. I, I don't, I'm into it. Um, but I get that it doesn't matter. No matter how many mm-hmm. times I say, you're so sexy, I want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what would a partner do in that situation? Like, if you're like, how do you best leave space for your partner? I think it depends. It depends on the intention. Are you Mm -hmm. are you expressing your own thoughts and feelings and and the fact that you truly are attracted to that, or are you trying to convince him to be okay with himself? I think where it crosses that line is where we start to get into Mm. this controlling place and. All of this work, all of it, all of the, the insecure attachment, uh, problems with sex, it's all about giving up control, all of it. And so if, if you're in a place of, of kind of trying to control him by convincing him, even kind of subtly, I mean, and of course we all want to encourage our partners to feel good about themselves. So that's not, you know, we always have to look at that balance. But if yeah. you're in a place of trying to control, you, that's, that's the point at which you're trying to take too much ownership of his feelings about himself. And yeah. Oh, no, I don't do that. I'm just like telling okay. him I'm turned on. Then that, I'm, just, I I'm just being like, yeah. you're hot. <laughs> then I, I don't oh, no, see I'm like, anything wrong with that. This, yeah. Thank you. Okay, that's good to know. In because... fact, it's probably good. It's good for him, I think. If that's genuinely your experience, which I am very much hearing that it is, that's great. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. good. It's, it, I it, like it, a it, good it dad bod. <laughs> I, love, totally, I love me a dad right? bod. I'm kind of like, I'll never go back. Honestly, I think that is just... Especially when you love the person. So sweet. There's just something so sweet about about that. I love it. Well, I have yeah. so much respect for my partner because uh-huh. he met me when I was 20 and he's 15 and a half years older than me. Okay. And I, the respect that I have for that man is so okay. infinite at this point. Wow. He is, was so patient with me. I mean, he literally met me with all my wounds. Aww. Like I was, and loved me through all of it and was so patient with me. Aww. And I feel like I've become the woman I always wanted to be a lot faster than I would have had I not been in this container mm. of this relationship 
So I, I mean, it took a lot of years to have this respect. I used to be a sure. bratty little cunt to him and uh, try to dominate oh him. That's a I'm technical term. Yeah. Well, but the I used to be right? very yeah. controlling and see how far I could push and how much, you know, and money was definitely something that was interesting. And I was playing with mm-hmm. my power dynamics with that. Um, but yeah, once, once COVID hit, you know, we were together, I think it was like, we had, I'd been together for a total of five, six years and that space in the pandemic, right. Mm-hmm. And just that continued partnership, um, our relationship definitely got tested, but, um, you know, I'm 28 now and mm-hmm. I have feel like I have so much, um, perspective this deep into the relationship that I just look back and I'm like, fucking amazing wow. like what are you you're crazy but like what were you doing like what were you uh, thank you right like thank you for waiting and 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 being with me through um I mean I kind of make a joke but like he kind of practically raised me in a way I was out of control yeah. Lindsay's known me since I'm 20 I was out of control she was a little wild um but <laughs> but, but, I, but I think but I, I think it. you I think you you point to something that a lot of our Listen, we get a lot of, so there's, you know, to kind of bring it back to this whole desires conversation, you know, leaving space for your partner to feel desired. The other flip side that we, the question we get a lot is, you know, people wanting to feel desired by their partners Mm -hmm. or wanting to, they, they feel that they're always the one to initiate having Mm -hmm. sex or, or cultivating intimacy or the only one driving that. Um, How best do people, you know, what, what, what do we do in that situation? Well, okay. So one one of the approaches I like to you know look at look at things from all different angles, right? And so one yeah. of the approaches is looking at the couple's sex cycle. Remember, we talked about a minute ago the um, negative cycle. Well, couples can get stuck in a negative sex cycle oh. where one partner's over pursuing and that's pushing the other partner away. Mm. Um, and again, this is all you know. What do humans do? What do humans do when we feel insecure? We, we try to control, right? Period. Mm. That's what we do is we try to get control of our outside environment. And ideally, we're going to try to get control of our inside environment. And so when there's a negative sex cycle, it, it, if there's an insecurity fueling it, uh, and of course, everybody wants to be desired and everybody wants to... Um, you know, have a healthy sex life. But yeah. it, it starts delving into this kind of area of power control that's an absolute sex buster. And mm. it also starts to take on this kind of tricky version of a parent-child dynamic where one person is constantly saying, you know, mommy, 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 mommy. And it's just, it's kind of like what you're saying, Sugar. It's just, it's not sexy, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you were, you weren't specifically referring to that, but you did say, you know, if someone's coming to you saying, I'm so ugly, I'm this, I'm that. It's, it's not sexy. And that parent-child dynam- dynamic that is showing up in the emotional relationship is often coloring the sexual relationship. Um, mm. And so the first thing that we would want is for the pursuing partner to back off and to stop mm. pursuing and to create some space. Do I know what's going to happen exactly when that happens no but it it is the first thing that needs to happen because there's too much pressure in the system and it's not allowing ownership for both parties then there's so many other factors that are going into it for example some people are just kind of chronically in a negative state right 
their, yeah. their energy is negative. Well, negative energy doesn't really fuel erotic feelings, eroticism. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So there's wonders that can be done just by learning to meditate and find a, you know, a more positive spiritual place within yourself mm. uh, to, to allow more of those good feelings in. You know, people who are stressed with life and anxious and feeling depressed, they're obviously, you know, we know that there's, um, you know, it's a scientific fact that there's lower libido that's going to come from that. So however you need to yeah. get to that mental place. And then um, I can't remember the next thing I was going to say. Well, oh, it's, I know it's what not, it, yeah. Oh. Go ahead. I know what it was. I was going to ask you because it's very common. What I've seen is that as couples get closer to each other emotionally uh, and grow in therapy, sometimes that can actually um, cause their sex life to suffer. And I wanted to know Mm. if you've noticed that. Um, Yeah, a little bit. Okay. To be totally honest. Um, We've been in therapy for quite a few months and we're dealing it, it to be totally honest at first it brought up like all this shit mm-hmm. and it almost felt like it got worse before it got better to be yeah, totally honest because there true. was so much that i think we were suppressing and withholding from each other um and we've been doing so much emotional work mm-hmm. um that for a while yeah it was we it was almost like sex was too much we were too fragile mm-hmm. okay and we needed to we needed to really reestablish that um, secure foundation. But then once that was there, the sex got way better and more frequent once we, once that was reestablished. Oh, good. And it's, and, yeah. and you're, so what you're seeing is as your emotional connection goes up, your sexual connection either goes up or maintains it's the strength that was already there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does that sometimes not happen for couples? Sometimes not. Yeah. Sometimes oh. the opposite happens because what, what happens is the emotional connection can actually start to feel really vulnerable and scary. And that can bleed over into um, the sexual relationship. Sugar, oh, you're nodding your head. Does that... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, too? I know when we, were really, when we were really going through, when we were inside of our therapy, when we were really working on uh, our relationship weekly with a therapist, um, sex was kind of difficult. Like it felt mm-hmm. forced almost. It felt mm-hmm. like... But it felt needed at the same time. It was sort of confusing. Mm-hmm. It was like we'd want to do it, but at the end, we felt like, did we force that? Because that didn't mm-hmm. feel like what it used to do when we. But it just took time mm-hmm. to authentically build back that desire. I mm-hmm. also am the one in the relationship who was like, "I'll I'll fuck you any way, any day, mm-hmm. anytime," <laughs> and that's so not my partner, you know. And he. Mm-hmm. Eh. So I've learned. I've learned also like what what. Um, for myself, you know, I realized that I only really want to have sex when my partner desires it. Um, sure. And so just recognizing that I'm going to feel shitty if I try to force my partner, if I, if I try to uh, sell, hard sell my partner on making love to me, uh-huh, you know, I, not- I might be able to, and eventually might be able to, it's not going to leave me feeling the way that I want to feel. So it took me a couple years of fighting myself inside of that dynamic mm-hmm. to realize this ends the same every time. Sure. And then, yeah. and then I really... It. Yeah, I'm just going to own yeah. it. And then, so, uh, but but yeah, I think that um, the conversations can be the orgasms, right? Like when you're really mm-hmm. working on um, fortifying the foundation of your emotional intimacy, those conversations can be orgasmic. There can Absolutely. be, even though there's pain, there's also p- pain and pleasure are the same mm-hmm. coin. So mm-hmm. there's so much... 
pleasure that when we're not used to going there with each other, they can become mm-hmm. the new, right? Like it could turn you on, you know, if you allow it to, right? Whereas I know some people who are not talkers, they're like communicating is like mm-hmm. just shuts them down. It's mm-hmm. not their forte or it's not their expression, right? For both me and my husband, you know, we did, just like Lindsay and I, we met in a communication coaching program. So we yeah. love talking. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> That's why we're best friends. Thing. Me and Lindsay, we just are like, <laughs> we have a podcast. We like to talk. <laughs> we love to talk. And my husband and I, we do love to talk. So I do feel a little bit blessed in that arena that for us, those dialogues were orgasmic for us and they were, uh-huh. um, did allow us to eventually get to a really... Um, deep place in our sex life once again, wow. you know. Um, I was worried. I was like, you know, in my, I was worried that we lost the spark, but mm-hmm. no, we've, it's, it's, it's only got it grown and gotten better. But of course, there's going to be ebbs and flows. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's definitely been moments in our relationship where I was just like, is the sex ever going to be as good as it was mm-hmm. again? Yeah. yeah. Once you mm-hmm. do the work, that's the, that's the, I feel like that's the reward is like, right. Well, right. I will be, the next level. There, there was like a, a moment in time when we, before we started, the only time I would really feel intimate with my partner is when we were cuddling. Mm-hmm. And, and I noticed about myself that I was very much wanted him to do everything with me. And wa- mm-hmm. I needed, like, I was like, if you don't cuddle with me enough in the morning, I was like very upset because it was mm-hmm. like the only sort of intimacy I was feeling with him at the time. But now that, We've, we're in better communication, I feel a lot more independent. Mm-hmm. I don't need secure. as much cuddling. Yeah, I feel, exactly. I feel more secure. And with that, with that security, I'm like, because for so long, he was like, he's not as social as me. He's like, please go have girls nights, but I would make him do everything with me. And okay. now I'm like, okay, cool. You stay home. I'm going to go have a girls night. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. And I noticed like, the more secure I feel, the more independent I feel, the more happy I feel. Wow. I, I don't yep. I don't need that cuddling. I didn't I don't need sex in the same way that I did. Now it gets to be this creation between us, you know, before where it, I think it would have felt forced when I wasn't feeling as secure. Mm-hmm. And now I it, think it's I hear like, what you're yeah. saying. It's not you're not using sex as a way to feel secure. You're using yeah. it as a way to connect. Yes. And that's a very different way of having sex. It really sex. is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, um, that was hot. And I just, <laughs> I, I just want to say, too, that, that that period that some couples go through, because I don't want to scare anyone, that period yeah. where they start to build their emotional connection and it can hurt their sex life, um, there is, you know, the goal is to work through that. And most couples, if they keep working, what it is is they're learning to know themselves in a new, deeper way. And again, yeah. that brings up a lot of vulnerability. I'm showing you more of myself. And that vulnerability can show up during sex and create some feelings of discomfort. And, you know, Esther Perel says that the emotional connection of the relationship is very different from the sexual connection. Yes, there's overlap, but there's also, you know, our emotional safety, caretaking, love selves. And then there's our erotic, playful selves. And yep. a lot of times when couples start to really dive into that emotional connection part, they can start to lose some of that eroticism. So it, like you said, mm. with the garden, it, it takes work to keep that part alive. And it's very, yeah. very much worth it. 
Yeah. Ah, beautifully said. Ah, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think that, and I think that, like I said before, even if you're not in a relationship, this work, and and we've, we've alluded to it a few times in this conversation, you really have to do the internal work first, right? Like Mm -hmm. if your own personal garden isn't tended to, there's no way you're going to be able to like merge it with someone else's garden. I don't know where this garden analogy came from, but I'm I'm using it a lot now. It's (laughs) synchronicity because I was sitting on my balcony tending to my little, you know, tiny little balcony garden yesterday. And I thought, I'm tending to this garden right now. And I, and I haven't been like probably giving my husband enough attention yeah. And I oh, thought, this is kind of <laughs> right. messed up. I'm out here, yeah. <laughs> you know, obsessively yeah. clipping at my my geraniums. And yeah. He's, so I, I I changed shifted gears at that point. Yeah. And went into well, the other garden. Yeah. Well, and that's great. That's that's I love that. I love that analogy. And you know, and one you know, you said something earlier in the conversation. You know, we say it's like being in your pleasure, and that's really what we, you know, teach in our online courses, like standing and discovering your own pleasure, right? Is like the sexiest thing you can do, right? If you you want to start the intimacy conversation, whether it's with yourself or with your partner, you got to start with your own pleasure and authentically discovering what that is for you. And then, then you can really jump into work like this and um, take it to the next level, which I think is, which is Obviously, I, it's important to me. That's why I brought you on <laughs> this conversation. Um, thank you, uh, Julie. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was a really incredible conversation. Oh, thank, thank you for you. coming My and just pleasure. sharing your your knowledge, your Instagram. I found you on Instagram. Her Instagram is incredible. Um, you have a, an incredible book, and it's it's a lot of it's it's quick tips um, around like a secure relationship, which I think is so fantastic for people. Um, tell our listeners the best way that they can keep in touch with you? Where can they find you um, if they want to work with you? Um, I know you mentioned you have a Patreon. Um, share all sure. those links with us. Yeah. Okay. So I have an Instagram called at the secure relationship and there are currently 10 plus imposter accounts. Um, oh, no. And I know it's, it's horrible. And those, and I don't have, I can't, for some reason I can't get verified. So it's hard to distinguish me. Um, so in some of these imposter accounts, I actually have a lot of followers. They're identical. So the only way to find me is that I have, I just got like over 900,000 followers. So okay. that's the only, the only we'll way to We'll make sure know. to put your accurate link in the show notes for people. Okay, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. at the secure relationship, all one word, no dots, okay. no lines. It's all spelled correctly. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, from there, if you go to the securerelationship.com, you can find my, what it is, is it's it, the only book available right now is a little six by six hardcover with Instagram posts. And it's just okay. something that people like to have on the, the bedside table to just flip through and find some inspiration. A lot of That's avoidant great. partners, it's great for because it's not something dense that they have to dive into. Right. And then I'm currently um, have a big book coming out I'm working with Simon and Schuster on that. And awesome. um, yeah, it's going to be kind of walking couples through the process of what I do, you know, with couples, couples Amazing. who don't have access um, to, yeah. to therapy of their own. That, um, it was a May 23 release, but we've just pushed it back to December 23, just okay. to kind of keep it perfected we'll, we'll, and we'll have to have you yeah. back to talk about that book yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah amazing well so. thank you so much and and thank you I, I love that you're making this accessible to you know people that 
part of the reason we had this conversation is maybe you don't have access to therapy, but there are resources out there like your books, which are yes. amazing. Great place to start for people as well. So yes. um, thank you so much. This was amazing. Um, we really so appreciate welcome. you coming it. on. Yeah, this was a great episode. So, um, and with that, Clitorati, we're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. If you liked this and are curious about our Clit Talk curriculum, we have a wait list for our upcoming free workshops and our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass in 2022. Nothing like starting the new year guided by pleasure. Sign up for the wait list to come tap into your pussy sanctuary with Katie, myself, Sugar, and Lindsay at www.clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist. That's clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist.